Today on Sex Time, we are discussing Season 1, Episode 4 from Sex and the City, The Power of Female Sex, in which our, um, um protagonist, Accidental becomes a prostitute. In Season 1, Episode 9 of Adventure Time, my two favorite people, Jake learns to deal with balancing his time with his friend and his girlfriend, while experiencing extreme jealousy. In Season 1, Episode 10, Memories of Boom Boom Mountain, we get some of Finn's backstory and learn why he is so determined to be a good guy. All this, and more, on today's sex time. Hi, Badger. Well, well, well. What? Here we are again. Yeah. We agreed to do this. Yes, we did. <laughs> Good morning. Good morning. We are recording this after finally getting some rest. More or less. There was a bad windstorm last night, and there is a huge flag at the apartment complex has outside of my bedroom window so I got some rest though they didn't take down the flag overnight they never take it down I can tell if it's iced over before I wake up and look at the morning um, because I will hear the flag having been iced over bend and crash into itself amazing (laughs) well the episodes are I already recorded a robot intro. <laughs> oh. <clears throat> the robot did all the talking for us. Well, I watched uh, Sex and the City last night, and I actually did make some notes because I was really tired. Unfortunately, the notes are on my phone, and I don't think I can access them while the Anchor app is running. Um, You might be able to. I was able to minimize the app and do stuff with my phone last night. Okay. All right, let's go. This is great hashtag content right now. So good. So let's start with the, like we always do. Oh, first we need to do shout outs. Oh, yeah. We, we, um, this will be airing a week after the last one that we recorded, but we're recording them about (laughs) 16 hours apart, more or less. It's to save up (laughs) for when things get really hectic. So who do we want to do shout outs for today? Let's do shout out to Kate who spent $20 on a small speaker for her car so that she can listen to this podcast. That is ridiculous. It's amazing. I cannot believe anybody spent money on us. Um, get used to it, because we're going to get that Caspit Mortises sponsorship soon. And that Red Pinafore meal delivery service. Mm-hmm. So shout out to Kate. Also, um, still absolutely, definitely real. And shout out to another real person whose name is Emily. Yep, always. Our most dedicated listener. Oh, Kate is also a subscriber. Oh, just like Lisa. Mm -hmm. Lisa. Big shout out to Lisa. Shout out to our three listeners. Yep. You guys give us the motivation to keep going. So, Sex in the City. I don't remember what the episode is called. It's called The Power of Female Sex. Not the power of the female sex. The power of female sex. Right. 
So in this episode, Carrie is like not sure if she's mistaken for a prostitute or not. And we actually finally see some of the financial blowback from her just indiscriminate shopping sprees. Yeah, she's clearly completely irresponsible with her money. Mm -hmm. She is um, throwing her bills literally in the trash can, buying Dolce & Gabbana shoes to the point that her credit card gets cut up at the store. Which I don't know if that actually happens. I don't know if it happens anymore. It's not the first time that I've seen it depicted in media. Mm, it, but there are things that I think might be tropes that are just never real. I used to work retail before, and if a card got declined, it was just like, mm, your card got declined. Sorry. And you hand it back to them. Yeah. Did you say it like that? How long did you last in retail? Sorry. I was there for three years. Man, I do not like that. <laughs> Sorry. No. <laughs> Uh, yes, another thing to add to the list. <laughs> yeah, uh, speaking of ways this show is a bit dated, in the introduction, Rosie O'Donnell was listed as like a, a female of great importance in the city. Yes. She had a talk show. She did. And I was obsessed with it. Of course you were. What? What does that even mean? Of course you were. I loved her. I came home every day from school and I watched her talk show. I got the Rosie O'Doll, which when you um, squeezed it would either laugh or say one of her catchphrases. Oh my God. Yeah. Do you need to stop recording so that you can pretend you didn't just admit that to three people? No, no, no. We are going to have some very unpleasant truths come up over the course of this, I'm sure. And that's one of them. If you... You have to know these things about me. You have to know that there's a reason I'm the way that I am. A reason, but not an excuse. No, no, no. Not an excuse. But it it happened. All right. Moving on from that. So Carrie's in the store and her, she's trying to buy these shoes that look like $2 joke shoes. They're so ugly. They are strappy um, sandal heels with like this pink feather boa strap across the toe part it's ridiculous yeah and her not really explain how they know each other just the social acquaintance steps in and pays for the shoes and is very friendly and uh, apparently this person just kind of it's like a pre-instagram instagram star i guess that's a pretty good analog to what you would see now She's just kind of this jet-setting, glamorous, foreign woman who Carrie, in the voiceover, calls Euro trash. So they're best friends, clearly. Mm-hmm. So she's, she's, like, basically a professional girlfriend where she just dates a lot of really nice guys and they kind of fund her existence. Yes, and they are funding Carrie's shoes. Mm-hmm. She notes that the man that she is... With now has a tiny penis, but he knows exactly how to use it. An important detail to share with a casual acquaintance. Well, that's actually my thing that I like about this episode. <laughs> is okay. Is that in in a sexually designed show, uh, depicting a, a man with a small penis as still being a perfectly fine man to sleep with. It's not sizest. No, I guess I guess I hadn't considered that. 
So that's that's great. So that's the the one little chip away from reinforcing toxic masculinity that this show does. <laughs> what? Just stick with it. Just stick with it. <laughs> um, so everybody's kind of aware because of this. Uh, I think her name was Amalita. She's Italian. She's glamorous. Um, she's aware that Carrie is struggling financially because, you know, she sees her car get cut up in front of her. And uh, she kind of tries to bring her into her lifestyle a little bit. Mm-hmm. So she introduces Carrie to this very French architect. Do you think he was cute? No, they all are just shapeless, kind of hairless. 90, I guess that's how everyone looked in the 90s. Yeah, like, was nobody attractive? Yeah, did they, nobody was allowed to have, like, defined features? Yeah, I don't know. Anyway. So uh, do we need to, at this point, jump in and discuss your uh, your little French identity? Go, go, go ahead. Kelly very diligently has been learning French from Duolingo. This started because we were planning on taking a big trip to France in several several years. Then France was a bunch of racists, so we decided that we'll go to Quebec instead. Kelly continued to learn French, which will do her no good at all in Quebec, where they speak a completely different dialogue. Yet she's stuck with it, and that's admirable. But... When she started the, like, 201 version of Duolingo French, she decided that she didn't like saying Je m'appelle her actual name. It like, sounds dumb. Okay, can, you, can we just agree that Je m'appelle Kelly sounds dumb? You're alternately very defensive of your name, and you think it sounds dumb. Because you steal my identity at Starbucks. That happened after this. Okay, but you still do it. Yeah, because it's hilarious and it makes you so mad. Yeah, I don't understand. You have like 15 identities. Why do you need to take mine? For fun. So I'm attached to my name in the American sense of it's not anybody else's to take. Except for the thousands of other Kellys that you regularly get mixed up with at work. We don't talk to them. But yeah, they get emailed my work sometimes and then I get in trouble for not doing my work that went to different Kellys. Right. So you're very defensive of your name, but you also want to ditch it for the purposes of sounding more French. Yes. What's your French name? Je m'appelle Adele. Yes, Adele. The name that we all associate now with the Cockney accent is your French name. Like, I'm feeling so attacked right now. Well, because you don't, you want that to be your name in France, where you're never going. You've announced that, and we're all supposed to, like, say, oh, uh-huh, okay, and take it seriously and not make fun of it. And that's crazy. You're the only person I told, and now you're the one who's announcing it. <laughs> well, it's not my fault that I'm your only friend. That's telling okay. me count as telling everybody and then getting a reaction from everybody. What are the French names you suggested for me? Kerman and Carl. Yeah, I rejected both of those. 
You wanted a K name. No, I didn't. Well, you got one. <sighs> Jesus Christ. Okay. So do you rec- want people to start calling you Adele? No, but I was just saying for the purposes of practicing French, it doesn't having a French name to say when I'm using these exercises doesn't uh, take me out of it like the same way that using the name Kelly does. Well, that's for you to talk about with someone else that I hope you've contacted already. Wow. You know I don't know anybody else. (laughs) Can we go back to talking about the show? Sure. So French guy. Yes. Is an architect. Yeah. And he's throwing up some red flags. He wants Carrie to drop her life and move to Brazil with him. That's not really the red flag she focuses on. She thinks it's a red flag that he's divorced. Right. I think it's a red flag that he wants to disappear her her established life to go yeah. tag along with him after they've known each other for like three hours. Yeah. This is all trouble. Lots of trouble. But the, she's going to still see him while he's in New York, which, you know, reasonable decision. And he's only in New York for the weekend. So she breaks her three-date rule and sleeps with him in a fancy hotel. And then she wakes up and he's leaving. She has none of his contact information. He's like, use the room service. Everything's great. Blah, blah, blah. And then she gets a note from him with $1,000 cash in it. Mm -hmm. So let's pause. She's interpreting this as oh, he's mistaken me as, like, a high-class hooker. Um, Do you think that that is how he viewed her? It's hard to tell because, I mean, he actually, like, spent the whole day with her, and maybe that is worth $1,000 to him. Um, We, the motivations for him leaving that amount of money remain unclear. He might have thought it was a transactional relationship, and then he might have just liked her and known that she was struggling and this was really no skin off his teeth yeah just just a gift Mm -hmm. and I don't see that there should really be a a conflict inside of Carrie Uh, we've talked about it before sex work is real work she might have accidentally done a day's work in her life Uh, and who cares she had a nice time and she got some money and she still has the agency to decide if she would like to proceed down that path or not Right. Even if he viewed her as one way, this identity is solely something that she would ascribe to herself. Yeah. Nobody she, made her do anything. No. No. But I do, I get, do get the sense that this is describing a type of lifestyle in which everybody kind of knows what's going on. That there is this like transactional nature to beautiful women hanging out with rich men. Nobody out and out says like, hello, this is a, this is a transaction. Here's a good or service and here's the... Uh, payment upon receipt or delivery of good or service that no one actually comes out and says it but it's all kind of like a wink wink nudge nudge everyone kind of knows that's what's going on um because it's the higher society version of this so it's very like gauche to actually describe what is happening uh let's see the subplots here are Carrie and Samantha try to have lunch at a restaurant. 
um, presided over by a domineering hostess, and Samantha goes to meet this famous artist on his secluded farm. No, uh, Charlotte. Charlotte goes to meet the famous artist. Sure, whatever. Um, so she does that. <laughs> this is important to know which of the characters these are by the, by now. I'm. There's no one named Marissa, is there? No, but there's Miranda. Right. Got it. Okay. So, I don't feel like the the restaurant subplot is really worth diving into. No, the hostess wears dumb hats, and apparently that's stylish in 1998. Did you have one of those hats? No, I wasn't. Ugh, stop it. Okay. I Let's... know you love the 90s. So, there are two. Yes, I love the 90s. They're where I came of age. Not really. Close to it. I started high school in the 90s. It was important. It was formative. We're the same age. No, you're a year older than I am. That's true. So Charlotte's plot is that she goes to meet this artist who she respects. And they are worried that this is going to become transactional. And he might pressure her to do something sexual. But in actuality, he um, shows her the new series that he's working on, which is of um, women's anatomy. Yeah, just like, you know, very frontal uh the initial gynecological view of a vulva. Mm-hmm. And they and he asks Charlotte if she would be willing to model. I don't get the sense from how he he phrased this that there was any pressure. I feel like he would have accepted if she had said no. Yeah, uh, I actually, I mean, it's a little alarming to go by yourself to a secluded farm into a man's darkened barn. Yeah, that is a little, you know, mm, questionable. But I thought this was uh, the more fun subplot. Yes. And uh, she ultimately accepts. And then um, she and her friends get to see all of these uh, vulvas on display at a gallery opening. And they all have to try to guess which one is hers. And it's, I feel like that was a pretty good depiction of how that would have really gone down in real life yes I agree and I didn't hate that art no we didn't really get to see full-on a lot of it it was kind of a strategically placed people in front of the paintings so you didn't get the full view sort of I mean it's not like it was hyper realistic it was no it's very very abstracted colors watercolory and everything yeah I didn't hate that subplot and then there was um very little time for it, but they did a little plot on how uh, Miranda and Skipper, she only like sleeps with him in the afternoon and Carrie suggests that they spend the night together uh, just to spend the night together. It's not a, not a sexual spending the night together. And then I don't think that plot went anywhere. Yeah. I was going to ask, I don't recall if there was any resolution. Nope. Don't think so. A skipper again shows up in the show and again is not a mass shooter so yet they're all not mass shooters until they are well just saying you know you're getting to know a little bit more about him do you still think he's gonna be that guy yes <laughs> okay anything else you want to say on this episode I'm not sure that I have like a big takeaway from it no, I don't think so either. I don't think there's ever any like real resolution within Carrie about where she stands on this issue. And 
it's probably not never going to come up again. There is this moment of false hope when, so Carrie gives this hostess lady a tampon and she and Samantha get to sit in this restaurant and they like clink their glasses together and the show does a freeze frame. And I moved toward my computer to be like, go, that's a weird way to end it. It's done though. And then it jumps over to another scene. Oh, (laughs) you were just so excited that it might be finally over. It's a really long 24 minutes. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess I can agree with that. So let's jump to Adventure Time. Let's do it because I have thoughts about these episodes. Okay, and I was going to suggest that going forward, when you have a question, um, no matter how innocuous it might be, I think you should write it down. Like, ask me and I can tell you if I want to answer it or not. Um, if I don't, just write it down because the chances are that it's going to be revealed or resolved in a more satisfying way than if I just tell you. Okay. I guess that's fair. And in watching these over again, I am writing things down about when characters are introduced, uh, when there are little hints at some of the larger plots that are yet to come and honestly at this point in the show I don't know if they had actually developed these plots or were making it up as they go and then giving little callbacks to a couple things here Mm. okay well I will uh, do that in the future and then we'll see kind of where they go Mm -hmm. so the first episode is called my two favorite people and it's kind of a Jake focused episode Mm mm-hmm he um, wants to hang out with Finn, but he also wants to hang out with his girlfriend, who is uh, Lady Rainicorn. Did I get the name right? Yep. Yes. See, I can do it for this show. You can do it for the other one. Um, so he tries to bridge the gap. Um, that means that he has to split his time by by making um, Finn and Lady Rainicorn friends as well, so they can all hang out together. Hello. Yes. Where where did you go? Oh, I just remembered another note that I wanted to make on this episode for later. Oh, for much later. I, I whatever you're doing, it's making some weird sounds come through. I will stop doing it. Okay. Um. So he at first it's going pretty weird because uh, Lady Rainicorn speaks Korean, and so he has to kind of act as a translator. And, and Finn's not really into it. And he's like, this isn't going to work. So they collectively go retrieve a translator that was at the bottom of the lake. And that was a pretty fun little adventure scene. Yeah, I thought that was fun. And they get to, they get the translator and put it on Lady Rainicorn. And the only voice that they can actually understand is an old man voice. And I think that is a very funny choice. Yes. The other <laughs> ones were scary alien and like, um, and like, alien nerd something. One was like oh, alien, and one was like Gary Moore nightmare. It's nightmare. Just a nightmare. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. They were they were pretty funny, but um, after this happens, um, Finn and Lady Rainicorn like really hit it off to the point where Jake starts to feel excluded. Right, and that's that's really on Jake. Nobody was ever telling him not to go hang out with Finn and Lady Rainicorn. Right, but uh, um, I, I 
I feel like I related to this a lot because I've often been in a position where I would have friends who are friends with each other who would hang out and it would feel, it would feel my interpretation of it was very like exclusive and, and my sense of jealousy would really start to get crazy. And I still, I still get that way sometimes. If I see you texting someone, I know you're not texting me. I'm like, who, why? Yeah. Once I was calling my veterinarian last week because um, Phoebe needed to have an emergency drop off for her tooth. And I'm leaving a message for the vet at like 6.45 in the morning. And Kelly interrupts and is like, who are you talking to? I'm right here. (laughs) I'm horrible. We all know. (laughs) But I feel like this um, reminds me a lot more of when I was in um, high school and my really good girlfriend at the time was uh, starting to date a guy who was in our circle. And it was a really hard thing for me to kind of accept that they would want to spend time together without me and the the amount of jealousy I had to deal with was really hard um and that's also because it was I was emotionally immature I was like 16 or 17 and that was um hard Jake however is older Mm -hmm. um so knowing that this is kind of like a juvenile um emotional state to be in it made me wonder kind of like where Jake has been in his, I know he's a dog and I know this is a cartoon, but like what got him to the point where he's never really had to confront jealousy like this before? Well, I mean, he is, he does live in a tree house with his little brother and they pretty much do whatever Finn wants. Mm-hmm. So that's it. I think so. Yeah. Uh, Jake is kind of perennially, in a youthful state of mind. I get that. And he does uh, much later in the series have to really confront not being the person that he was in his early 20s anymore. Ah, okay. Interesting. Well, I liked this episode. I feel like this is a real emotion that people experience and showing how, how it can be handled. So is this the first one that you've seen that you like, you really relate to? I think it might be. Yeah. And how does that make you feel to be getting that sort of understanding from an 11 minute cartoon? Um, It makes me feel like I um, will probably see more things that I relate to in the future. Um, I, it makes me feel kind of um, appreciative that there is media out there ostensibly for children that deals with difficult emotions that people experience as they grow up. So, I mean, oh. there's, there's no question that this is the better show of the two we were watching. Yes. We knew that. And I think it's really funny to hear Lady Rainicorn tell a story in the old man voice. And then I ate all the peaches in the orchard. <laughs> <laughs> because she's this very like wavy, vibrant, blonde-maned creature. And when she speaks in Korean, it's this like beautiful, clear female voice. 
Mm-hmm. And then when she's speaking in English, it's this wheezy old man. It's a very, <laughs> it was a very funny choice. Yes. Uh, and you also met Shelby, the worm that lives in Jake's guitar. Oh, yeah. I, I forgot. Or about not that guitar, until... viola. Whatever. Stringed instrument. I'd forgotten about that until right now. Is Shelby the character that you didn't like? Nope. It's actually a bunch of episodes down the line. I'll let you know. And I also told okay. you the title of the episode, so you will know. Oh, that's right. I'm sorry. I took a uniform last night, so I'm, I'm not my best self right now. I understand, and it's okay. Thank you. So, that was a good episode. Mem- yeah. Memories of Boom Boom Mountain. Yeah. I thought this was a great episode. This was a very like a whole lot of story got told in a very short period of time yeah prepare for emotionally dense intricate episodes that take place in a shockingly small amount of time so the the real crux of this here is that finn having been in a position where he needed help and nobody helped him having vowed to never let that happen to anybody else is taking up all of these what are you doing i just picked my phone up i don't well it's making weird noises happen oh well i won't touch it anymore okay so we finn is in a position where he uh decides he's going to help people because he knows what it's like to be in need of help and not get it yes and um, would you like to tell the story of his boom boom story so when Finn was a baby. He went boom, boom on a leaf, which is pooping. And he fell backward and landed on his boom, boom. And he needed help. And he was stuck for a day. Which is horrifying. Mm -hmm. Because this means he was an infant stuck in feces for a day. Yeah. I get the idea. I mean, he's really squished in his memory. But I get the idea that he's maybe around four. I don't know. I felt like that could be younger. Maybe three. Maybe. He was very young. He's parentless and in the wild. And this is where you get the the first glimpse of Finn's adoptive parents. Who look a lot like Jake. Mm-hmm. Are they Jake's parents? Yeah. Ah. Finn, yeah, Finn and Jake are brothers. That's not really made clear yet. Well, it's also no secret and it won't spoil anything for you. Okay, good. Um, So knowing that he was in a position where he didn't want, he didn't want anybody else to experience that same level of like abandonment. uh, He hears a mountain crying because the mountain is upset at this, uh, what are they doing in the in the in the town that the mountain can see? They are like roughhousing. Yeah, they're roughhousing. Roughhousing, and he's he's upset by seeing this, and it's just it's all consensual roughhousing, um, but he's still upset to see this, and he cries boulders. Yep. So Finn goes up and initially misinterprets why the mountain is crying. He thinks that the mountain wants to join in. But the mountain doesn't. He doesn't like seeing it. And they're being so rough with each other. Mm -hmm. It just makes him cry. So he tries some solutions, um, which don't work. Um, 
And then some of the solutions that he posits, other people wouldn't like for various reasons, like the mountain that lives behind the crying mountain doesn't want him to turn around because then she won't be able to see his beautiful backside anymore. And there's this chain reaction of all of these things that once Finn tries to help one individual, he ends up needing to help all of these other individuals in order to make an equilibrium happen. Um, And then the show chooses to have Finn find the solutions that work for everybody. Yes, in a very strange Rube Goldberg-esque way that is sort of unique to this episode. So I was actually pretty surprised that that's how they opted for it to work out. um, Because I feel like a better, maybe lesson that could have been brought from it is that Finn couldn't solve everybody's problems and it wasn't his responsibility to. So maybe he just can't fix everything. Well, remember that this is, he's 12. The show grows more complex with him. So everything's still pretty black and white. Mm -hmm. He solves like 15 problems. He gets something uh, to like wiggle around in the flowers so the flowers spread their pollen to the guy who wants to get pollinated and this that and the other thing and it's uh it's a very i can't even like retell exactly everything that's happening in it because it does happen pretty quickly i laughed at the little pollen guy but it was also disturbing <laughs> because it's this little like you you know a, a plant ball with legs saying i need to be pollinated I need pollen to make my babies. (laughs) Yeah, that's it. Yeah, it was funny. And and parts of it were cute. And I I didn't hate the episode. But it was it was just interesting that the choice that they made was to, you know, have Finn fix it all. Well, Finn, Finn loses some later on in the show, but I think he should be allowed to win some right now. Okay, okay. Maybe I am coming at this from a very cynical place because I am not myself a 12-year-old. Just know that if you would like these characters to experience poignant grief and loss and unsolvable problems, we'll get there. Great. Looking forward to it. I don't know what else to say on this episode. Um, are you intrigued at all about Finn's past, his parents? Yes, but I know better than to ask you any questions. Well, write those down. It will eventually be made clear. It's actually, there are several layers regarding his parents that we can't go into now. I don't remember which season we, we start hinting at, uh, at the reality of his his origin yes okay but i think it is upsetting to see a child abandoned in the woods but it's nice to see margaret and joshua come by and pick up a boom boom baby margaret and joshua are very like uh humphrey bogart era talkers yeah yeah she's they sound yeah she's got a hat with some flowers in it. He's got a fedora. And she she steps in and picks Finn up. 
and says that he just needs some love. And Joshua says something like, you just kissed a boom boom, baby, Margaret. Don't expect any more sugar from me until you've washed your dirty, dirty mouth. <laughs> yes, that's, that was funny. I did like yes. that. So another okay. another Sex in the City flop and mm. a couple good Adventure Time episodes. So before we say goodbye again, um, is there anything else you would like to add to Kelly's Contradiction Corner since we didn't call out that segment yet, but you did rip into me a few times um, already? You know, I actually was saving up the French name thing and this was just a really opportune time to fold it into the actual episode. So I guess Kelly's contradiction for this time is my name is mine, even though a lot of other people have it and no one else can have it, even though a lot of other people can have it. And also I don't like it. And my name is Adele. You have to appreciate the context. If you were named Kelly, obviously you can use Kelly at Starbucks. Yes. I never use my real name at Starbucks, so. But of all the names in all the world, you had to go and pick mine. because it was really funny. Well, the first time I had to run to the bathroom and I wanted you to be able to pick it up and you got so mad at like this practical measure that I took that I had to do it two or three more times. Okay, so you're done now? I will try to be done. So that's a no. Okay. Well, I uh, I don't have anything else to talk about. All right. Well, uh, this was a good round. I feel like it's, this wasn't a terribly lively set of episodes because they're there's always something objectionable in Sex in the City. There wasn't really anything objectionable in the Adventure Time episodes. I like both yeah, of them. Yeah. And they also, while they hinted at Finn's past, they weren't, you don't, it wasn't like an emotional gut punch at the last second like some of them are. Hmm. Well, we have that to look forward yep. to. Gonna hear me cry on the podcast. Are Maybe. you really? Oh, boy. You know, I, for somebody who cries a lot, I don't think I've ever seen you cry. Really? Yeah, you always just cry in contexts where I can't actually be there in person. That's true. I do cry a lot, though. It's baffling to me, I think, because I don't see it in person. Well, it happens. I believe you, I think. It does happen. Maybe it'll happen on this podcast. Maybe it will be ashamed of perfectly healthy to feel feelings. Mm. No, I know. Okay. Well, thank you for your time, Badger. And um, next time we will have more episodes to talk about. Just like every time. Three more episodes to talk about. And one of them is one of my favorite first season episodes. Oh, fantastic. Okay. All right. We'll talk to you next time on sex time. Bye. Bye. Thanks again so much for listening. 
We think it might actually be more than three people who are listening, but we're not entirely sure. So if you are, um, definitely feel free to leave us a voice memo on Anchor. We can add it to the episode or interact with us on our Twitter, which is at SextimePod. If you have questions that you want us to address in future episodes or any suggestions for us to improve, we'd love to hear it. We don't know what's working and what isn't. We just know that we like talking to each other. And sometimes we're very tired when we do. Um, Again, the Twitter is at sextimepod. And um, we really look forward to doing this again. Bye.